music and movie fans, this is Sachin, your host on Sachin on Cinema and Sound. I'm joined here today by my father. Hello everyone, and all of Sutton's fans, looking forward to talking uh, with Sutton about this interesting album today. Yeah, this is a really interesting album. It, it's definitely one of my favorite albums of all time, but not. Uh, it's very a very overlooked album. It is Hawaii Part 2, released under the name Mirakuru Mujikaru, which translates uh, to Miracle Musical. It is the name is in Japanese, and it is actually made by... It has several connections with the band Kali Hall. Uh, it is spearheaded by the member Joe Holly, and he co-produced this album with Kali Hall's drummer, Ross Featherman, and uh, Borg Harifa, who is considered the like the honorary sixth member of Kali Hall. We did an episode a couple of uh, podcasts ago about Marvin's Marvelous Mechanical Museum, and uh, it was interesting to hear the, what kind of grew out of that group with this album. Yeah, even though I said uh, this was co-produced with two of the official members, all of the members with the sole ex exception of Andrew Horowitz uh, wrote and performed on parts of this album. Uh, so he has described some of the themes of this album are actually the World Trade Center uh, in general, not necessarily its association with the 9-11 attacks. And another theme actually is the 9-11 attacks. And then the image of having an entire culture of people dealing with the nationwide grief of that. He's described uh, Miracle Musical as a, ro a world trading center musical, and he has also described the project as a genre, a genre of infinity expressed through a hologram. And it sounds like there's a series of different uh, languages throughout the album. I say it sounds like there's a series because not only do you have the most of the, the songs are, of course, in English, but in addition, you've got some French, you've got some Japanese, and at times they actually play uh, the music backwards, so it sounds like another language, but uh, an interesting sound. Yeah. Uh, would you like to talk about some of your favorite songs on this album? Well, there were a few. There were a couple that actually uh, they made videos of, Isle Unto Thyself and Labyrinth. Uh, I liked both of those, of course, and uh, there were a lot of kind of big themes through this album. There's kind of the, the circle of life uh, kind of uh, uh, theme to it. There's a, a sense of uh, ascending into heaven and uh, a sense of uh, purgatory. A lot of uh, big issues uh, being discussed here in, in this album. Yeah, they were given a lot of really interesting and complex human themes that I feel like Joe Hawley gets uh, that along his songwriting. He co-wrote or wrote all of these 11 songs on this album. And I feel like sometimes it's can be kind of, you have to kind of analyze the lyrics just trying to understand the basic storytelling, what is like physically happening before understanding like the metaphors and like the meanings of the songs uh my favorite some of my favorite songs on the album though are murders which the first four songs on this album uh kind of flow into 
into each other kind of like a medley but but then after that fourth song there is like a few seconds break which indicates like a change of pacing before the fifth song where this plays and it's a really great change of pacing that's uh yeah i think the lyrics are really vivid and uh dreamlike and then another one of my favorites is the mind electric where they actually play a different version of the song backwards before playing it forwards. It's a really interesting uh, piece of experimentation, and I think it actually works well within the context of the song. Yeah, I, th I thought that was a fun song. Also, Dream Suite in C major, and C is spelled S-E-A. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, a lot of, of course, reference to Hawaii and um, lava lands, or lands that are uh, built or grew out of fire and lava. Um, so when they talk about C major here, they're talking about uh, the ocean. Uh, that is actually a seven-minute song to wrap up the album, by far the longest uh, song on the on the set. Yeah, this is the longest song on this album, and it, they do a, a really great job of uh, like changing the pacing. It, it's one of the things that I feel like it's similar to uh, what we heard from Kelly Hall's first album. Well, you know, it was interesting. Uh, you, you didn't uh, share with me when we started playing this album for the first time that this came from uh, the Tally Hall folks. And uh, listening to the vocals, it sounded familiar, but I couldn't quite place it. And uh, there was that uh, clear connection, I think, now that uh, I know, not just from the vocals, but also the type of music. These are uh, interesting, um, you know, it's an interesting group of uh, writers that uh, come up with some very clever and intellectually interesting uh, stories and songs. Yeah, one of the that is true. I actually didn't tell you the uh, who were was behind this album until afterwards. Uh, one of the reasons why I did that was because uh, if I was wondering if uh, when we heard Kelly Ellis' first album, they could they could be kind of dismissed as like these young kind of college-aged students who are kind of just making this fun, quirky music, but I think as they developed from their second album and then to this big project, they generally grew as uh, songwriters and really wanted to write more serious music. Yeah, this was a very mature uh, album with a lot of big themes throughout it. It was interesting. Um, the cover art as well from the album was interesting. Yeah, uh, in it, it's it's like, it has, yeah, the album title and then uh, the name of Miracle Musical in Japanese. It also has like an ocean and then like uh, it's two palm trees that are growing out of the sea. There's also uh, like a staircase that you can't really see the top or bottom of it though. It's a spiraling staircase, so yeah, you don't know whether it's leading up or down. And on f at first glance, it looks like there is like a glowing moon in, in the sky, but upon closer examination, it's actually like the, like, it's like a light from, like kind of those types of fish that have like those kind of stems coming out of their foreheads. It's a really scary fish with yeah. a lot of big ugly teeth and that light that emanates from its head. 
I think we uh, dealt with these fish in Finding Nemo, uh -huh. if I remember, where uh, you know they're, they're following the light and it turns out to be a really scary kind of horrible uh, threat. And there's also a shark fin in the back of this. So it looks like a lovely bucolic little setting in uh -huh. Hawaii, but then you realize those palm trees are just in the middle of the ocean. There really is no island. <laughs> there's this stairway you don't know if it's going up to heaven or going down somewhere south <laughs> and then you've got uh, shark fins in the background and this really scary fish so um it's it's an interesting image yeah uh something interesting that you pointed out also was uh the cute palm trees growing out of the sea and it looks like the fish this like horror fish is moving towards the palm trees and you point out how that could be like a metaphor for the, like the twin nine eleven towers with the, each of the palm trees representing the towers and then the fish representing, uh, like the incoming planes. And the part two of this, there was yeah. no part one. Uh, those are two ones standing side by side like the twin towers. Yeah, there also is no, uh, part three. Ho Holly's made clear that, uh, like the Hawaii saga is forever finished but he has expressed interest in doing something else with the miracle musical branding uh but this album ends really 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 interesting way where it's like 45 seconds so like this kind of humming that's like increasing in volume until it just it's just a dead cut off and it sounds like they're it will transition into into a next song which i feel like almost suggests that it would carry over into a uh, hypothetical part three it's something uh that reminded me a lot of something that the beatles did in abbey road where they ended side one with the song i want you she's so heavy and that song ends with like three minutes of just like this white noise expanding and increasing in volume until it's also a get cut off i feel like this the album kicks a lot of influence it from different people like the Beatles and even from classical music but it always manages to be very coherent it reminds me a lot of how Holly has called the project a genre of infinity expressed through hologram uh, the album seems to like take on a lot of different genres while still remaining like incredibly coherent uh, the background of this album is also really interesting. It was actually conceived in 1997 when Joe Holly was on a trip with his family in Hawaii. And that was when he got this music in, stuck in his head that uh, it inspired him to become a musician so that he could one day realize his vision of making this. So when he was with Charlie Hall in college, he always had this in the back of his mind and when they the band finally went on hi hiatus in 2011 he started work on this project immediately a couple of these songs in fact actually originated as kelly hall demos and i think one of the most interesting things about the production of this album was that a lot of it was done remotely so in some cases he would reach out he or the other producers would reach out to Musicians who live on like opposite ends of the country, uh, maybe through email, for example, and then the mus musicians would record themselves, uh, like by themselves, and then they would send in 
there are recordings to the producers. In fact, Rasu, one, this one of uh, three co-producers on the album, never even saw uh, Joe Holly or Bora face-to-face -face while making this. He, he would just like FaceTime with them a lot and, and would Skype with them. Kind of precursor to a lot of the projects that were done during the course of the past year or two with the pandemic. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of that. And it really adds to like the impressive projection of this album. A lot of the arrangements are incredibly complex. And yeah, it's a marvel that they were able to do it all uh, remotely and with and in just like a little over the course of a year. One more interesting thing about when this album was released uh, it was actually released online 12 seconds into 12, 12 p.m. on December 12th of 2012. It's a lot of 12s. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, this album kind of slipped within the cracks of time uh, pretty unnoticed, except for, I'm sure, those who were Kelly Hall fans at the time. But uh, within the last couple of years, it's definitely... Uh, gained a lot more attention as with the, the rest of Kelly Hall's discography. Uh, an example of this is on Spotify. The only uh, the only content that is available under the Miracle Musical profile is this album and then a non-album single. But the the profile still has over a million monthly listeners. Yeah. Uh, hmm, that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, the album doesn't even have, I guess, isn't considered notable enough to even have an entry on Wikipedia, but uh, it is definitely one of, if not my favorite album of all time. It, it covers, like, it takes a lot of influences from genres like rap. It, it still manages to be really coherent, though. Uh, I feel like, yeah, at one point it's haunting, and then... It's comforting, and it just plunges you deep into this uh, very transcendental experience. Gives you a lot of food for thought. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, in an interview, Ross uh, said that one of the goals of this album was to make something that would sound different each time you listen to it. And of course, it's not the album itself that's changing on like the bookshelf. It's the uh, listener that's changing. They come on with uh, different expectations each time and a, and an increased understanding of what the album is trying to say. And we've talked about that in the past with respect to movies. Uh, nobody sees the same movie, nobody listens to the same album. It all is a matter of what you bring into the listening experience and what you bring into the movie theater that really dictates what you get out of it. Well, this was a really great experience. Uh, thank you for giving me another excuse to listen to this album once again. Thanks, Seth. This was a lot of fun. Stay tuned for our next episode, and this is such a non-cinema and sound. Mm -hmm.